Hey guys, I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know that Surewinder is still selling amazing products. Some of you guys have been dragging your feet for whatever reason. If your shoulder hurts, do not waste time. Pull the trigger. I just bought uh, four or five of them and uh, we had two guys out. You know how much it cost me to pay for two guys being out with bad shoulders? We just pulled the trigger and we said, listen, everybody's going to have one on a truck. It's mandatory. You got to use it. Don't hesitate. Don't wait till your guys go down. It's going to cost you more. Buy a Sherwinder. What's up? What's up? Ryan here with Torch Talk Podcast. Welcome today. We are, uh, this is going to be like the second episode in a row, I think, where we don't have like video for YouTube. So if you're following us on YouTube, I apologize. You don't get to see our sexy faces, but today... We have two of three of us have sexy faces. Josh is in studio. That's another sexy face. Oh, yeah. Glad to be back. And we got Joe. <laughs> I made this room good looking. <laughs> well, okay. We'll, we'll allow it. <laughs> we just, my mom raised me that when you don't have something positive to say, you shouldn't say it at all. So we'll just leave it at that. We won't talk about your Georgia hat. <laughs> So go dogs! Congratulations on your team for making it to the playoffs. It was a better game than I think anybody predicted. Hundred percent. That should have been the national championship game. Yeah, he's an Ohio State fan, as you guys probably already know. I'm a huge Georgia Bulldogs fan. Have been since I was like two years old. I was brainwashed as a child and didn't really have a choice. And Georgia whooped that ass. One point. <laughs> One. Yeah, but we didn't really start playing until the fourth quarter. When the Ohio State kicker quit playing. (laughs) It was like, let's take out Ohio State's best player on a cheap play. I'm not going to blame the refs. Bro, that was a shoulder. He was defenseless. He's catching a ball. I don't don't play football. I don't know, but it looked bad. Yeah, it was bad. Because we, like, bring the freaking pain, bro. That was a good game, though. If he would have caught that and we would not have done that, it would have been a touchdown. I um, I almost didn't even watch the game because I figured it would be over at kickoff. Like, it was going to be a I good game until go kickoff. three quarters. See, I didn't. I, I, had, I thought we would lead, but it would kind of be back and forth for three quarters, and then fourth quarter, we'd blow you all out. And again, I'm a Buckeye fan, but I'm, like, a real fan where the last four weeks of the season, they sucked. Yeah. I mean, and I thought your guys' offense would just Y'all came to play. Them. Yeah, they did. Y'all came to play. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I honestly stopped watching it, like, towards the end of the second half, and I came back in, like, halfway through the third quarter because I was like, dude, I can't watch my boys play this crappy. Like, they just played horrible. They didn't and play. your team was playing, like, the best game of their life. Stroud, I swear it was like – Alabama all over again where, um, what was his name? Tua. Mm -hmm. There was a game where we played him in the national championship. Our first, um, was it the national championship or the SEC championship to go to the national championship? Might've been the SEC on that. It was at the Georgia Dome. So I went to the game. It was the SEC championship. I swear that that dude probably recorded like 60 missed tackles in that game. And we lost. And it was close. We were winning. We were up a lot. But we could not catch him to save our lives. And we had the fastest defense in the country. 
I felt the same way halfway through. The I didn't Ohio even State know game. Stroud knew how to run. That's what they kept <laughs> saying. And I'm like, dude, how's this guy not run like this the whole year? And now all of a sudden he's trying to like freaking dance around all of our players. The, the bad part, why the sad part is now I'm a TCU fan. Um, <laughs> not because, great. not because I hate, because I actually like Georgia. I think Georgia's a good team. Um, I hate Alabama. I, I, if it's yeah. SEC, I'd, I'd like Thought Georgia. Um, Josh is like, we're, we're going to start ordering. We're not buying from, from the doors. <laughs> you got to know who to play in this, right? It's okay. Like, yeah. Um, I'll never lie. I'll never just make it up that I like somebody. I don't. Um, so you're not but they, they just legalized sports betting in Ohio, December, oh, wow. January 1st. Um, perfect timing. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Perfect timing. Um, so everybody bet on Georgia and lost. <laughs> I, I bet on TCU to oh, win, okay. to beat Georgia. And then it, they give you like, I think it's. Uh, What's the spread? I don't know. Um, all I, I put my free $25 on Georgia or on TCU. Yeah. And that free $25 will turn into like $195. And then I bet $25 that TCU will hold Georgia to 11 to 20 points, which I know is not going to happen, no. but it pays like 395 bucks. Yeah. So I'm new to sports betting. Yeah. It's kind of addicting. Yeah. <laughs> my buddy. I have a feeling I'm going to call the 1-800 yeah. gambling number. <laughs> he was a huge gambler. And, um, I mean, we, we used to run together a lot and he's dead now. He was murdered, but it was from his gambling addiction. Like he got so bad where he would, um, like we, we were like, not TMI here, but uh, we, we ran around and messed around with drugs a lot. And so he kicked in the doors with some drug dealers and stole all their stuff to pay off gambling, gambling debts. Oh. Well, they came after him and then he would beat the crap out of all of them. And then, so they raised the bar and came with guns next time. So uh, he was shot and murdered and he was my best friend, but he and I used to sit on the couch every Sunday and he taught me how to gamble and he was really good at gambling on games where he would get he would get bored because he was so good at it so he would start doing these crazy bets right with like um i think they call them parlays or whatever where yeah. you like combine two or three different things for like this ridiculous amount of return and so he felt so good about some he would just go all in on these and i'm like bro these aren't the things you go all in on right like you taught me that and he's like yeah i'm just bored and i'm like dude you're crazy he was crazy. I mean, he would bet tens of thousands of dollars on like the craziest stuff. So, um, anyway, <sighs> take a deep breath. Uh, Joe came down from Ohio to see the sun, see the sun. There was this big orange thing in the sky this morning <laughs> when I woke up in my hotel room and I'm like, I walked outside and I'm like, what is that? We don't see that in Ohio in the winter yeah. very often. Feels good. Feels really good. Yeah. You it's like come a, down more often. It's like a hundred degree swing in temperature because we were like negative forty. Yeah, uh, Christmas Eve. That's stupid. Stupid. You and know, I didn't even here. know the temperature went below zero until I went to Michigan for Christmas one year, and I was like 10, 12 years old. Yeah, it's like the thermometer went below zero. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, your thermometer, your th thermometers, blah, 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 whatever's broken, mm -hmm. and they were like, no, it's not. And I'm like, yes, it is. It says it's under zero. And they're like, no, it's literally negative 13. And I'm like, 
I didn't even know it could go under zero. <laughs> it was cold. I mean, that's why I'm born and raised in the South. Negative 30. So at one I, one time last week, we had a real fill of negative seven, negative eight. And I thought Georgia was going to just end. Like, I thought we were just done. Dude, it was rough, bro. I contemplated suicide. <laughs> I mean, I got to the airport last night. It was, I think I landed at 830, 8 yeah. o'clock. And I see people walking in there with like, fluffy jackets on like it's cold oh it's freezing here to most people right i now. walked outside mm-hmm. this morning in my hotel in shorts and a t-shirt yeah loving life i was debating on opening aod tampa and <laughs> getting the hell out of here <laughs> well i will tell you since i started doing ice baths i can manage cold weather significantly better now than i used to like i can recognize now when i go outside i don't i don't get like freakishly crazy like i gotta get back indoors as quickly as possible if the wind's blowing real hard and it's in that 20 degree range that's a little rough but i like i can walk around like this and i'm a little cool but i can handle it and then when it was freezing cold i didn't have i didn't have too much of a problem like i was handling it pretty well ice baths have changed me i've watched the videos um near the event you just did in in dallas and i watched the videos of the guys doing you saw bath. Tyler? I saw Tyler. Uh-huh. He looked like he was about to blow up. That bro. was his second go in it. Yeah, and Jose Jose told us, he's like, dude, I don't have any expectations for your second round because it's going to suck. You're going yeah. to hate it. You're going to say twice as bad the second yeah. time. So how long were you expected to stay in there? So because we had so many people and we only had like four baths, um, we just did a rotation of like two. We tried to say, you know, hey, two minutes and then we'll rotate people in. And um and then we kept filling up. We had 800 pounds of ice, mm-hmm. it was. And so we just kept putting new ice in so that it wouldn't, like, melt and warm up, which was great. But at the same time, like, I, I made the choice. Like, I was about to get in. And I could tell, like, some of the ice was melted and it was starting to, like, water down. And I was like, should we put more ice in here? Like, trying to be a tough guy, right? <laughs> Thinking nobody was going to hear me. They're like, yeah. And they dumped two things in. I'm like, shh. Two's a bit much, but okay. And I got in and dude, that was I've done multiple ice baths. That was the worst one. That was the worst was one. Rough. I I got in there and I just remember feeling like well, the first time I did an ice bath, I left my arms out. That's the key. That's a cheat. If you want to look cool, <laughs> like you can handle it, like have your arms on the outside and just rest your hands on the thing. If no one knows that that's like a trick, yeah. you look like a champion. When you dive your hands down in there, it's like all of a sudden you're contemplating like was this the right thing or not? Because all this it only takes like 20 seconds and I felt like I had needles yeah. going into my fingers. And it was it was really rough. Tyler, I I didn't know like when he first got in, I was a little concerned cuz he he responded really rough to it mm-hmm. and then when he got out you know he's fair skin he had like this it was like, oh, it was like you could see it, it looked, looked like, like a sunburn, sunburn. Yeah. yeah and so that was hilarious that was... and when he got out you could see that line you could see it in the video so i saw people get out and then they were like pacing around waiting and then they would get in the pool like why not just jump right in the pool just because of the huge fluctuation in temperature, your body will go into shock or they tell you to wait. No. The, so people, he, he instructed us that like, um, when you get out, you should move your get arms your blood to get flowing. the blood flowing again. Yep. 
uh, because the, the pool was heated too, so the pool was like very warm. Yeah, so it was a huge shock. So yeah, even going from that cold, cold to the warm, warm water, even though it was December, um, it was still great. But it was cool. The like, what was cool about it was you look up and it's skyline. You know, you're you're on a rooftop in downtown Dallas, and it's beautiful and. You know, there's something that I felt like was a little therapeutic about the whole thing. It was nice. I don't have a lot of regrets in life, but my wife was down there for a work conference um, the same week you were down there. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? I should have signed up and went to this thing. One, not I, I have no interest in doing the ice bath. I like warm water. <laughs> yeah. Um, you could have just Could swam. I peed in it? Yeah, you okay. could have. You just trip. had to go last. Yeah. Um, but if the, you go first and you pee, you're a prick. <laughs> The cars. You're never allowed to. Go. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, oh. I was just telling somebody about it yesterday. Like, when I did the cars, was this was a thing that we did because we couldn't get the seats that we wanted at the Cowboys game. So there was a Cowboys game on Sunday, and I had the lead on a ground level um, end zone suite where you're literally like, ground level when they score a touchdown they can run up you can high five them and like it's really cool and it was super expensive um but i wanted to do that and that fell through and we couldn't get it locked in and i tried really hard um but i was like man we gotta find something right and i was a little disappointed i I was kind of excited because driving cars is cool but i was like man I don't know if this is going to be the level of like shooting a machine gun out the side of a helicopter like we did in Dallas, right? Vegas. Vegas. Um, so when we got there, the like I started getting like a little bit nervous because I was like, hmm, this is pretty cool. Like I'm an adrenaline junkie, so I like that feeling. I kind of enjoy it. And um, And so when they put us in the cars – the first one was for me was a Lamborghini. Did you go on the first run or were you in the next? I was second? in the second run. What did you drive first? Uh, the green Mercedes AMG. Oh, GTO. Yeah. A lot of people wanted to drive that. I, I had was, no desire. That, See, that I was, wouldn't. Have, that, that would not have been my first. That would probably have been my maybe lot because there was a Corvette there, right, and a Mustang. You had yeah. It was, the so, Mustang Shelby was hard to keep on that track, and it started uh, misting a little bit. It had so much freaking rear end torque. Shelby GT five hundred, which. If I go back, that's going to be the first car I drive. Uh, Shelby GT, you had a Porsche um, GT3. Sick. You had a Ferrari. You had a Lambo. You had um, the AMG, um, the Corvette C8. Yep. What else? And the uh, that uh, the R8, the, the Audi R8. R8. Audi R8, which got rave reviews from everybody who drove it. Yeah. Um, See, I would have chosen. I would have chosen that. I would have chosen the Lamborghini, Ferrari. So Porsche. my three, you got to pick three cars, and you got to do four laps per car. And they they had someone sitting in your passenger seat for each one of us, and um, they would run like four cars at a time, mm-hmm. four cars at a time, and they would space you out right. And so, um, you know, we had two people in particular that really struggled: Andrew Powell, the holder. Um, for those of you guys who listen, you'll understand. Um, Andrew Powell, the holder, he was like grandma. Yeah. He had no care to go fast. No. He was like, I'm, I'm just pretty sure I passed him like three times on my first. <laughs> See, but floor. he was, 
see, I look at it this way. Like he was getting his money's worth. He's getting as much <laughs> track time. See, that's what I say I about not go- thought of it that see, way. See, I look at it like this. Like my son's a golfer and you know, he's good. And I'm like, dude, you're not getting your money's worth. When you're out there shooting a 40, uh, you know, you're paying X amount per per hit. You know, I'm out there shooting a 90 on nine holes. I'm, <laughs> I'm out there my, for uh, nine yeah. hours. You know you're I'm a good salesman my- when you convince somebody that going slow on a racetrack might be a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not saying I would do it. Yeah. But he was getting his money's worth. Yeah. Jose, who led us through um, the ice baths and uh, taught Unbreakable to all the business owners, uh, he too struggled. He, it was funny because at the end we were, uh, we were like, all right, who's the fastest? It was Sebastian was number one, which this is the first time I've ever been beat in a race, period, um, in a car. And then it was, um, it was me and then Greg Giaquinto. And um, there was a pretty big gap between Sebastian and myself. Sebastian was like, um, what was it, a minute 11? Yeah. And then I was like a minute 15, and then um, Greg was like 116. And um, and then everybody was like, who was the slowest? <laughs> and it was Jose. Yeah. And Jose was like, dang. He's like, y'all just had to ask? Like, yeah. why? Why would you ask that question? What was his time? Do you remember? It was bad. I'd have to look back at the picture. Three I minutes. think I've got it in my phone. Three minutes? But <laughs> we weren't like a, a whole minute and a half off pace, were we? No, nah, it was probably like two and a half Two, maybe. Probably about a minute. So I would say your last two events that you've done. Yeah. I, I guess they're your last. It's Dallas and Vegas. Like, yep. those are, like, I want to shoot. And I know I said this last time I was on, I think. Uh, I wanted my wife for my 40th birthday to send me down to Texas where I could shoot feral hogs. Oh, we're doing that next time. From a helicopter. At night. From a helicopter. With yeah. goggles. Like, that. We're going to do heat, like, the night vision goggles with machine guns in a helicopter shooting hogs. So Joe will be at the next GDU. I will be. (laughs) Sign me up. Listen, hold on. Let me get my credit card out. Prepay. I'm pretty sure nobody comes to my events for the actual information, even though I think we do a good job. Yeah. People now understand that I don't play around. Like I, I want, like I threw out the idea of us going skydiving and everybody was like, Oh, and I'm like, what? They're like, uh. yeah, I'm not. Like that doesn't interest me. Like, really? You jump out of your car driving down the freeway? No, but I wouldn't have a parachute and hit the ground. Why would you jump out of a perfectly good airplane? Because you have a parachute and you're freaking ten thousand miles. I don't 10, know. Ten thousand feet. Ten thousand feet. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. So I would be afraid that if we did that, people would not sign up because they would be too afraid. I just have no desire. I mean, you only live once, bro. Just to, for the experience. When I re-enlisted in the Marines, um, one of my re-enlistment or my re-enlistment incentives was to I could go to SEER school, and that's where you learn to survive, evade, resist, escape. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, you get the crap beat out of you. <laughs> um, and I'm like, yeah, I have no desire to do that. Or I could go to jump school. So I was going to come down to Fort Benning, Georgia. It's like Ranger School, right? Um, it's for the Marines side. Because they train Rangers at Fort Benning, didn't they? They, they do, and then they'll send Marines down to get their jumplings. Yeah. And it's like a 14-day evolution for Marines, and you get your you do so many jumps, and you get you know to wear jumplings on your uniform. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do that. And then I got hurt right before I was supposed to go. Sure. And didn't get to go. <laughs> yeah, I did. I jacked my shoulder up. and 
Joe, it's time to go to war. You know what, bro? I got a headache. <laughs> My ankle's been hurting. <laughs> got an ingrown toenail. <laughs> yeah. Quick funny story about that, getting your wings. My stepdad and my stepbrother are both Army. And uh, my stepbrother was stationed at Fort Gordon in Augusta. And they sent him down there to get his wings. They went to jump, and the weather just flipped a switch on. Weather went terrible. They brought them all back to the ground, gave them all their wings. So he gives his son crap now. He's like, dude, <laughs> give me this. Give me this. You didn't jump out of nothing. Yeah, all right, I'll, I, I'll tell a story. Um I was going on deployment down to South America to do uh, counterterrorism and anti-insurgency training for the South American uh, military because they they do a conscript, most countries down there. So you spend two years in the military. You do one year in the jungle uh, fighting the drug cartels. And they use a lot of the... uh, That sounds fun. The drug cartels use a lot of the same tactics uh, that were used in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so we went down there to do training with them. Well, before we went, we had to get non-lethal weapons certified. Um, so like shooting rubber bullets, mm. OC spray. And I was in charge at this time. And we're going through OC spray. And I looked how miserable it is. And I knew guys that went through it and how miserable it was the entire day after getting OC sprayed in the face. And I kind of kept making my way towards the back of the line. And I had to tell one of my Marines, like, put my name down that I passed. <laughs> and he did it and I never had to get it done wow. yeah that was that was uh you lost respect for your whole unit that day <laughs> they didn't know no just that one guy knew damn yeah. he told everybody probably. no he didn't now Joe blackmailed the hell out of that yeah <laughs> I will have you court-martialed you <laughs> so yeah I got out I got out of OC spray you know what's great about um, I, I get to relive the gunship thing because every time I talk to Tommy Mello, he thanks me like three times because <laughs> he tells me that that was one of the best days of his life. For someone like Tommy Mello, who lives a pretty full, fulfilling life, to tell you <laughs> that you gave him one of the best days of his life is pretty, pretty special. Yeah. But I mean, I can tell you, dude, the feeling like I, I'm the first male who didn't go into the military in my family on both sides, like going back as far as. You can remember. And so, but I've always had this like admiration, right? It's just, I struggle with authority. So I don't like people telling me what to do. <laughs> Guess go figure, right? Um, so, but being there and having the helicopter and like the nostalgia of just shooting a 50 cal sniper rifle. And then you hear the first group go up and you hear the <laughs> like that was just, like the feeling alone, even being on the ground yeah. felt special. And then when you run over there and you get in the helicopter and you take off and your feet are dangling and you're looking down and they're cutting sideways, it's like you just go back to like, um, what's that movie, Good Morning Vietnam? Yeah. And you have that like feeling, because I've watched that probably a hundred times, and you're like, yeah. And you want that song in your head, like, and you're just in there. But the only the only bad part about it is, is that you go through a hundred bullets in like a f- couple like seconds. That. Yeah, like I'm that. pretty sure I was three to four seconds. I mean, I was just like, and it was gone. And I'm just like, dang, that was fast. And he's like, you got them all. And I was like, yep. He's like, that was fast. And I was like, yep. He's like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna play around a little bit, and then. They took, they went wide and then turned the helicopter over to where like, I'm, I'm looking down at the ground 
and then he swings around. It was just cool. Like, yeah, yeah grown men playground. You know you can shoot things with bazookas there? No. Yes. They have, like, uh, tanks that you can drive and shoot cars. They have bazookas that you can shoot. Like, it's a full-blown, like... So, my job in the Marines, I was it was uh, called an Amtrak. It's not a train. It's mm-hmm. a amphibious uh, troop carrier. Uh, I wanted to be a tanker, but I swam too good, so they put me on this amphibious <laughs> troop carrier. Uh, and we had a, a 50 cal machine gun in the turret and a Mark 19 automatic grenade launcher. And, the fi- like, I've shot a Sasser 50 cal sniper rifle before, and it's really cool. Yeah. It is really cool. Um, but a 50 cal machine gun... Is badass. Oh yeah, just uh, it is 100%. so much fun to go out to the range when we'd shoot those. And like everybody asks me now, like, are you super into guns? Like, how many you know AR-15s do you own? I'm like zero. Like, I have no desire. I have a pistol. Is this you trying to document just in case they come to your house? <laughs> no. Because I felt there like a long dramatic pause. Well, I was right going to say M4, but they don't sell that. Yeah, um, it's, it's military. It's the AR-15. All right, uh, for the record, government. Because we know you're listening. (laughs) Joe has no M4s or AR-15s. Or Or anything that you could come for. rocket launchers. (laughs) Yeah. None. None. Zero. But seriously, I have no desire to own them. Um, I have a shotgun and a pistol. That's literally what I have. But going to shoot shoot machine guns, like, I'd do it. You know what we should have done? That's what we should have done. I have like a... uh, six-year membership over at Georgia Gun Club. They got the 50 cal. They have a 50 cal, but they've got a 100-yard indoor range. You should have gone over there. but I could have taught you how to shoot. You could have taught me how to shoot. Um, Consistency in everything, including price, reliability, quality. Not just quality, but great quality control. These are things that describe Somer USA. Somer is not some startup company, not one that you need to be worried about going out of business in the near future. Somer's a two, Somer and their family of businesses are $200 million companies. They're in over 100 countries, and they have locations in 20 countries. This is a large organization who stands behind their product and works through integrity. And there's not another company out there willing to drop what they're doing and help you out like Somer. These guys are awesome. Not only have they been loyal to the Torsion Talk podcast, they've been loyal to the technicians and the owners of the companies who install their product. In my opinion, if you're not at least offering Somer as an additional option, you're cheating yourself. Listen, first-time dealers, I've got a special for you. If you buy 10 or more Somers between now and the end of the Season 6, while supplies last, we will offer you free shipping. You have no more excuses. The prices are great. The product is amazing. Go check out Somer USA and order 10 for free shipping. But yeah, you've you've definitely done some pretty cool events. Um, we're doing one. 
So I kind of talked to you about it a little bit, but it's it's going to be small scale. Um, yeah, but it's at the Phillies game. Uh, so <laughs> some people, some people I mean, might you gotta know. do something that people want to get involved in. So it's it's going to be like Aaron just or most of your customers Ryan are just up said there. we're we're doing Phillies. No, they're not Philly, but uh, we're actually we're not necessarily just targeting our Trying customers to pull up the Philly schedule and see if it aligns when the Braves are playing there. We'll when see. are you thinking about doing this? I think it's in April. I don't have the exact date on me. Oh, the Braves are definitely going to play the Phillies in April. The question is, I'll pick the date. It's going to be, a, <laughs> it's going to be a good event. I'll so pick the date. I'll send you, I'll send you an invite. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. Spring training, spring training. Um, yeah, we originally looked at doing like March. Um, and doing spring training and doing it down in Florida. Mm. Um, but now we're, we changed it. And then it. take everybody deep sea fishing. Taking it, we're doing it April and we're going to do a suite, the executive suite at the Phillies game. So it's like their bigger suite that they have and that the welcome dinner in there. And then the next day the Phillies are traveling, but we'll be back at the stadium and that's where we'll do all the classes. Dude, they're, they're mm-hmm. not playing the Braves in April, which seems really weird to me. But you guys, if you go do the beginning of April, which is usually spring break, which is tough for a lot of people, they yeah, play the Yankees, uh, but it's at New York. Yeah. So my thing was I wanted to do, you know, if you do a small group um, or you could do two houses, but you could find two like mansions on the beach that hold like 12, 15 people each. And then try to find them side by side or something like that and then do that and then have a deep sea fishing excursion. See, and one thing I really, really like about the events that you've done, they're smaller. Yeah. They're not. Well, 30. Yeah. Um, yeah. But well, the, the, the pit house party, I think we got up close to a hundred people. Right. But you're, that was pretty you're going out and shooting was a smaller event. Yeah. Your, it's like 10 or 12 of us. Your event you just did in Dallas was a smaller event. 40 people, 30 something, 40 people. But it gets the dealers. And that's one thing I loved about, you know, like when we would go, when I was on the dealer side and we'd go to a Cornell event um, or when I worked at CHI and we would have a CHI dealer meeting because, yeah, they were bigger, but they were still small enough that dealers would network. Yeah. Um, I feel like IDA like the IDA expo, they're just, it's, it's so big. Like people don't network. You just stay with your people that, you know, um, yours, you know, it got, you know, Tyler, uh, from Dr. Door, it, it got him introduced to other dealers and it gives him ideas on, you know, how can I do things better, um, for my business? Yeah. And let's talk about that for a second, because I've been on, I've been harping on this for a little bit and I mentioned it while I was there and I've actually, um, I had a conversation with Tommy about this is I'm seeing I'm this is a good thing and a bad thing that there's now a bunch of information and events that dealers can go to and learn. Tommy's doing events, I'm doing events, you got IDA. I think the IDA stuff events. is you like get, you can give that plug. Regurgitated. Joe's doing a Phillies game. Um so who wants to do that? Anyway, um so you have a lot of information 
and th- a lot of this information is new to a lot of these owners, right? Like I feel like Tommy and I have done a really good job of making learning fun and interesting for business owners. And with that, I think a lot of people get overwhelmed because they want to go back and they want to implement everything now. And so, you know, I reached out to Tommy and I was like, Tommy, bro, I'm like so proud of you, dude. You're crushing it. Um, and, and I told him, I was like, I said, we got to do a better job of teaching them how to consume the information and plan the projects more so than just shoving them down their throats, all the things they should be doing. Because I'm seeing a lot of like one and $2 million companies who are trying to be like the five and $10 million companies overnight, overnight, and they're getting themselves in trouble. And I'm seeing it a lot, a lot, a lot. So, yeah, I, I just sent out a message to um, my controller and my executive vice president last night. Um, a lot of people maybe know or don't know, but we were recently purchased uh, by private equity. Um, everybody's seen a lot of private equity coming into uh, the garage door space and the home services space. Um, and it's been a sprint since yeah. June. Um if anybody's going through a transaction process, they'll understand the due diligence phase is you learn a lot about your business, yeah. a whole lot about your business. Um, but it is, it is a sprint. It's some long hours. And ever since they purchased us um, and the deal was closed, we've still been sprinting. Um, and I apologized to my team last night for it. Cause I told them, I know uh, it's a different I'm running, pace. You, I'm running you ragged yeah. right now. And I need to remember, and they need to remember, and their managers are the managers of our locations need to remember. Uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, and you need to slow down. It needs to be built brick by brick, block by block. You know, I used to like that phrase until I had to set up like fifty ring cameras. Do you know that they that they say that every time you set up a ring camera? Does it really say that? Yeah, it says, "Please hold." It takes a second. Rome wasn't built in a day. My dad always always used that line. So now I hate it. Like I hate it because I'm like, shut up. That's that's a line. Many a lines. My dad one liners that he would always yeah. say as when I was a kid. You but know, it's Rome true. wasn't built in a day. Yeah, and I mean it's true though. It's so true. Yeah. Um, and you're right. A lot of people are trying to scale too fast. Yeah. And it's burning them. It's hard to, like, when I came into the industry, I tried to scale it like a software company, and it just couldn't. Like, I fell on my face. Um, I did do 700000 my first year, and I hardly knew what I was doing, which is pretty good. Yeah. But I had to sell faster than I could, I could do the work, and cash flow was a problem, especially early on. And I still remember like Q1 of 2017, I, I knew, I'm like, dude, we're in trouble. Like if this slows down, I'm screwed. And it did. And I had to go take out a, um, I had to go take out a, a line of credit to pay payroll. And I was like, and I wasn't paying myself very much. This was going to my team. And I was like, dude, it wasn't like we didn't have money. It was just cash flow, right? Like we we're just... I was dumping every penny back into the business. I had to get to a certain point so I could support my family. And this was troubling. Like I broke my business early, which is probably something that I feel like it took us like two or three years 
to recover from. And what I, the message that I want to tell these dealers at the one and $2 million mark is, you know, what's the rush? Like, what, what do you get? You know, like we, we, we project these numbers, right? Like I've got a guy here, good friend of mine, right? Um, I love the guy dearly, but he came in and was talking about how he wanted to do these certain numbers this year. And, and I was asking him some questions like, you know, Hey, all right, how much does your average person make? And we're giving the numbers and I'm like, bro, you're way off. I mean, you need to like double your team. And he's complaining they can't find anybody. And I'm like, well, you, in order for you to do this, you need 12 months of double the size team functioning at full capacity. And I was like, it's going to take you 12 months to get that team set up and run at full capacity. So you're too late. You have to adjust your numbers. There's no way you're going to make that. So I think we, we see these big numbers and we hear Tommy talking about 50 million and 80 million. And, you know, we see all these other dealers and HVAC companies talking these big numbers and acquisitions and all this. And we, we feel overwhelmed at one or $2 million and we feel like it's a race and it's not a race. You know what the race is? The race is to build generational wealth and that's done with your net. And that's really the only thing that's important. You're, you're, if you can create a recognizable brand that people want to go to prior to going online and doing a search, that's a value. And then your net profit, that's a value. Everything else, cash flow is important. Everything else to me, and honestly, I've just kind of like, I'm not even trying to compete. Or, or those are the three things that I'm really focused on. See, when I talk to a customer and they come in and they're talking about, you know, they want to, they want to grow and they want to hit their goal is to hit 4 million or 3 million or 2 million, whatever it is. I always ask them why? Yeah. Why? Why? Where'd you get that number? Where did you come up with it? Yeah. Why do you want to hit that number? And then I always ask them, what's the end state? You own your own business. So like, what's your end state? Most people own a business. One reason is they don't want to work for anybody else and they want to be able to hand something off to their, their kids. Right. Um, or two, you, you build a business to sell it. Yeah. Um, and I've got some customers that I talk to and I ask them, you know, what, what did you start your own business for? I don't know. I just didn't want to work for that guy. Well, right. what's, what's your goal? Yeah. I don't know. Most I've got the same answer. You know, when we onboard people at such and such media, we ask what's, what's the differentiating factor that you offer that someone else does. And I think I've only had one client give me a good answer. Most people say customer service. I'm like, nope, try again. That's not it because they have customer service. What's quantifiably different about you than everybody else? Quantifiably, you need to prove it. And you can't prove that your customer service is better than everyone else's in your market. You can't. So what's different? What makes you different? And people can't, and it's it's not an easy question. I'm it's not, not giving a hard time. It's not. We all sell freaking garage doors. And almost every garage door manufacturer makes doors very similarly. And the difference between the best garage door and the crappiest garage door isn't that big of a difference. Like, let's just be honest. So what makes the difference? The difference is the people. You can hire great people and pay them more and generate an experience. Like, like Aaron Overhead Doors. What's different about Aaron Overhead Doors? Aaron Overhead Doors is a unique, bougie, boutique-style, high-end garage door company. We don't want to sell doors for two, three grand. We will, 
and we love those customers and we'll give them the same $15,000 experience that we give our other customers, but that's not who we are, right? And we made that transition in 2019 to go this direction because we knew that the market could support what we're trying to accomplish. And I kind of felt like the evolution of garage doors was going in that direction anyway, where in the past, everything was short panel raised white. CHI, I think, and Clopay kind of changed the game with high-end doors. The Classica, you know, these are doors that are unique and different and able to. Here, you want to fill that up? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I won't make it all day. We'll be fighting in here. So <laughs> let's talk about private equity for a minute. If, Can we go back yeah, go ahead. to the, the door thing? And one yeah. of the, the best lines I think I ever heard um, – was when I was on the dealer side and I worked at McKee door in Columbus and the uh, current owner, Matt Gerard, we were at a meeting and a, and a customer asked him, it was actually, I want to say it was Avon products. We were, they were building a huge manufacturing warehouse facility and they asked him what makes your dock leveler better than the competitions. And Matt looked right at him and said, nothing. A dock leveler is a rolled piece of steel. It's the company that's backing it up. 100%. And, you know, I was new into the industry. Why do then. we buy CHI doors from Ohio when I can buy them from Georgia, because Alabama? Because you know you're buying them from probably one of the best looking guys in the industry. All right, let's move on to you want to talk about private equity. I just mic dropped. Oh, we did a profile search and laid them all out on the table and said, we'll buy from that guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's You're so like, sexy. You were probably like, that guy looks special. We should probably buy from him to make <laughs> he him needs feel help. better. He needs help. No, I think you buy, to answer that question, and I think what differentiates us from, you know, my, I don't even want to call them competitors. They're my rivals, are the factory-owned distribution centers. I'm an independent distribution center. Um, I think what differentiates us is the customer experience. Yeah. And again, you can buy CHI right down the road, but you buy from me. One majority of my team has not because we want to, but kind of because we have to, well, they suck here. Um, <laughs> my, so it's like, it's like, do we want to deal with the drama or would we like, I'm, I'm good at logistics. I mean, listen, if I can run drugs from Miami to Atlanta at 16, 17 years old, I can run garage doors from Ohio to Buford, Georgia. We figured it out. And I kind of liked it when you sent Josh up because it gave me like a day off because he just sat in my office all day. <laughs> um, he keeps bringing up the fact that Josh just went in his office, took over, and started working like he was in Buford. <laughs> we got a good, I think we had a good lunch that day. Yeah. Thanks, um, Penske, for uh, <laughs> delaying that. Um, it was good. But it's the, 75% of my workforce has been in the dealer's shoes. They were a dealer. They were an installer. So not only are we there at, to sell you doors, we're there for technical support. Yeah. And the more and more I've got immersed in this side of the business, we're sometimes the counselor. Sometimes we're the psychiatrist. Oh, yeah. we're, we're our dealers. A lot. Some of our dealers, we're their friends. Yeah. Um, we're their only friends they have. And, you know, I had somebody bring up, you know, this, this guy comes in and, and he just hangs out and drinks coffee. We need to, he needs to get his stuff and he needs to get out. And like, no, like he, we're probably the only people he has to talk to that yeah. day. 
other than his customers. Yeah. And that's why I hated like doing the first, residential. If you guys haven't listened to the first podcast we did with Joe, you want to go check that out because we really talked about the difference in culture and, um, and like some of the things he's doing with his distribution center is pretty freaking special as far as like, you know, helping them get websites um, all the way from giving them a workspace in his office. Um, like little things like that can make a big difference and it's very thoughtful and intentional which is lacking, I think, in our industry from the manufacturers. I came from automotive, and so I have a tendency to compare a lot of things with automotive. And, you know, although the manufacturers hate the dealers in automotive, they support them very well. And they give a lot of incentives. If you sell this much, we'll give you, like, um, cash back retro to the first one. They do um, co-op really well. Like, there's just a ton of stuff. And the garage door industry does some of those things, but it's like not really official. And the, an automotive manu, uh, manufacturer spent a lot of money on a direct consumer advertising to brand build brand awareness that helps the dealers out. And that's missing, right? Like we just don't have a lot of that. And I know that they are on these like television shows, HGTV and whatever. Sometimes like when they'll donate a door or whatever for some publicity, but there's no like commercials or stuff like that. And so I would like to see some of that change, especially in some of the bigger markets where it's more competitive, like helping those dealers out. I think that's really important. And the market is primed for a manufacturer who has good customer service and is willing to do some direct consumer pushes and campaigns to build awareness for their dealers. I really genuinely think that someone could come in and take over because no one, no one to date has really, tried to dominate everyone just seems to be very comfortable with where they're at yeah so let's talk about private equity speaking of comfort and gotcha. discomfort uh we got about five minutes left <clears throat> for those guys out there who are unfamiliar with private equity i know i've mentioned it a few times on here talk a little bit about what private equity is um to me when i first learned of private equity. I thought it was guys that just came in and tried to bleed the company to death and then yeah. sell it and make some money. That's been my experience as well. That is totally chop everything bottom line, work everybody to death, get every ounce of energy out of them, pay them as least as humanly possible buy the cheapest product and operate at the biggest margin that you possibly can. To me. Um, and again, I, I tell, uh, my new owners of private equity, it's uh, their name's Buck and Alex. It's North current partners. Um, which are great guys. They, they truly are and they get it. Um, I feel like, you know, Jim Osborne was the owner of United best boss hands down I've ever had. And I feel like these guys are a younger version than him Uh, from the very first time I met them. Um, I knew I liked them. They fit our culture. Um, they didn't come in. They didn't buy us to cut things and, right. and do everything else. They bought us because we're good at what we do and we can make them money. And they've got some horsepower behind them to really help us. And that's what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, the first thing they said was, uh, Dave, who's my controller, he needs help. You need to go hire somebody for him. And if you don't have a recruiter, we have a good recruiter that we can refer to, which I already have a recruiter. Um, that does pretty good. And they're all about it. Yeah. So, Again, there's there's a lot of money in the garage door business. It's a cash rich business. Yeah. I mean, we saw you know CHI change hands many times. ATL has changed hands many times. Um, 
a lot of other Safeway has sold many Milton, times. Or Martin just sold. Martin just sold for a crazy number. Yeah. Um, but I think but people aren't putting money in stocks. This is what we have to understand. Right. The market has shifted. Interest rates are higher. So keeping cash in the bank is is becoming a viable option for these uh, very rich, wealthy people. But you're only going to get like three, maybe four percent max on locked in CDs or savings accounts right now. Or you could invest in, you could buy low right now, but we don't know what the bottom is with the stock market. So a lot of people are trying to keep their money out of there. But where's the highest opportunity? If I can buy a garage door company who is operating a little bit dysfunctionally because, you know, they they're figuring it out. Like most garage door companies, they don't have a full blown staff. They don't have great benefits. They don't have a CFO. They don't have a purchasing agent. Like they're, they're not structured completely. You know what I'm saying? Like we're all, everybody's doing dual roles because that's what we have to do. Well, if I can buy five companies who are, who, who could, you could immediately impact with additional resources provide employees with better benefits and uh, create this environment of growth by injecting a large sum of money into the business and grow the company. That's fun. And that's the North current partners, you know, Buck and Alex, they're into the home services side. We're their first like distribution channel that they've bought. Everything else is home services. Um, they've got you know, uh, tri-state water um, and air. It's, it's, Kansas city area, like it's grown from 94 employees. They've grown it to 200 employees. Wow. Um, they're, I mean, they're just doing big things. They own now, this happened in HVAC like six, seven years ago. Right. Right. Where just a bunch of private equity firms came in and started buying up a bunch of HVAC companies. And that's, we're now going through that. Yeah. I mean, but it's was, early stage. We are. And it's probably going to be like a three to five year where everybody's trying to do a roll up strategy you know, building portfolios of 50 to hundred million. And I, and I swear like every other day it's on that GDP mm-hmm. owner page, uh, on Facebook is, you know, what should my company be valued at if I sell it? And yeah. it's like, it's a pretty easy, like you need to figure out what your EBITDA is yeah. and then you're going to get paid a multiple on that. It yeah. doesn't matter what your revenue is. Right. I mean, it, it does. It does. It, it, that matters. There's a lot of factors. There is. I, th- I think a lot of people take this out of context. I mentioned this before. There's more than just EBITDA, right? And you want to hire a company. You want to, if you're going to sell, you want to sell to a company that appreciates your EBITDA, yep. appreciates your revenue, appreciates your brand, appreciates all the reviews you have and the staff. Like if you have a brand name, you got a good reputation in the market and you can generate a lot more revenue with additional marketing dollars and salespeople, that's, you have the engine and they have the fuel. Yep. And then if you put those together, it's like you're off to the races. The only disservice I think that has happened, um, and I don't want to say it's a disservice, but, you know, Martin Door mm-hmm. selling for what they did, Nucor buying CHI for what they did. I think a lot of dealers, Inflated. you know, they have the one, $2 million business yeah. and they think they're going to get paid $10 million right. on a buyout. It's not going to happen. No, yeah. it's not. So let's walk through this. If you're at a million dollars, let's say you did... Um, uh, 20% net, right? Um, so you're bringing, you brought in $200,000 of net profit. What are, what are you looking at roughly of what an expectation should be to start the conversation? Six to 800 K. Yeah. So that's good. 
for someone who's doing a million dollars a year. Now, are they? But get- I think they have a lot of people have that. Well, wait a minute. CHI sold for six hundred or three point three billion or three point two billion. Uh, it's Martin, different. It's a manufacturer. I know, but and I think te- everybody sees it that. Yeah, and one thing that we have to understand too is these companies—they're aware of the technology to manufacture garage doors, and they're looking at like a company like CHI, and they're like, "Dude, these guys are archaic. Like, we could streamline this company significantly faster than what they're doing now. Eliminate some staff, most likely." and run leaner and run better and have less damaged products and do a better job and make them more profitable. CHI doesn't have damage, do they? CHI? I don't think so. Josh, are you aware of any damage the CHI has? Mike's not working. (laughs) (laughs) So, Listen, they do do have... I think it's probably our distribution I can't lie. It's It's that guy we get doors from. Yeah, no, I actually loaded your guys' last... He's so ugly. I loaded (laughs) your guys' last load, too. So I told... And I think I text you, like, (laughs) if it's screwed up, blame me, because I loaded it. Um, Yeah, CHI does have damage problems, but... It's not the only one. They're not. Everyone's got it. But at least they back their stuff up. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah, I just wish they had better reps. They do, right here. Yeah, no, I mean direct, (laughs) but yeah, it's all good. It's uh, That's a whole other conversation. We're Uh, way over time, aren't we? Yeah, we are. But uh, I got a meeting I got to go to. But listen, thank you, Joe, for driving all the way down here to do a podcast. I flew. You drove. Oh, yeah, I drove. Joe. (laughs) (laughs) You did say. Fast. Yeah. Fast. 90 on the freeway here is like. 55 in Ohio. Yeah, he was telling me he was going 90 and people were passing him. I'm <laughs> like, that was probably me. No, I'm just kidding. This is Josh. If you have somebody within an inch of your bumper, it's probably Josh. Get out of the beach pass lane. Yeah. <laughs> Josh is like, he's a race car driver. He's trying to drift. He's not being ugly. He's drifting. He's saving fuel. There you go. That's what it is. He's trying to help the bottom line for AOD. Yep. If I can save a gallon a week. I'm- <laughs> All right, y'all. Listen, go out, get your money. Hope you guys had a great show with us. Uh, 51 minutes, 30 seconds. This is not bad. That's below our normal, I think. Yeah. We just got started late. How'd you like the steak, egg, and cheese tacos or chicken, egg, and cheese? That that was good. Right? That was good. I'm glad you convinced me. Gas station Mexican. I'm a gas station. Yeah, it was good. All right, y'all. Have a wonderful day. Be blessed. Stay safe. Stay warm out there if you're in the north. We send our prayers. Go, dogs. (laughs) 